Hello, Russell here. I'm very excited to share some of my conversation with Kate Nelson. Kate Nelson, aka Plastic Free Mermaid, is an environmentalist, science communicator, plastics activist, yogi, and author of I Quit Plastics. We just had a wonderful conversation with Kate Nelson. I want to share a bit of it with you. What bit shall I share, Jen, do you think? The bit about bourgeois connotations. Is that a good bit? Yeah, all right. Let's share the bit about bourgeois connotations. Environmentalism, ecology, caring about the planet. It shouldn't seem bourgeois, but does it a bit? The reason it does is because if you're poor, you ain't got time for thinking about that kind of stuff. So let's have a little bit of that chat. Let me know what you think. If you enjoy it, go to luminarypodcast.com where you can get a subscription to the platform for as little as $2.99 a month or whatever currency they're using in what you call your country, even though we know, let's face it, it's imaginary. It's no such thing as a country. It's a consensual illusion that we're all subscribing to. And if you're going to subscribe to something, subscribe to this podcast network, luminarypodcasts.com, under the skin, original content, wonderful episodes from contributors as fantastic as Tony Robbins, Echo. Toll, Brené Brown. This is more than a podcast. This is a course in how to live. This is a tool for awakening. And for $2.99 a month, what more do you want? Jam on it? What do you want it to do? Prance around in a bikini? What do you want it to do? Push-ups on the beach? Let's have a listen to some comments from the excellent episode with Satish Kumar, who I would call a world teacher. Tommy Agresti. Amazing. Great perspective. Elimist... Hi, Russell and team. I listen to all your podcasts religiously. And this conversation with Satish Kumar is by far among my favourites. What a beautiful and enlightened human being he is, full of so much wisdom and optimism. I feel much more optimistic having listened to your conversation. Thank you, at Russell Brand, for the opportunity to hear this and your, or hear his and your thoughts and words. If you haven't listened to the Satish Kumar episode of Under the Skin on Luminary yet, you should go back and listen to it. He's like a person that's been there. He's spoken to some of the great minds of the previous generation. And this man, who's I guess he's in his 80s now, would you say? He's 84 and he's so optimistic and upbeat, powerful and potent, emanating great wisdom. And for me, what I liked is that, in a sense, everything has to come from a kind of awareness. Why is it we shouldn't use plastic? Why is it we shouldn't become spellbound and hypnotized by social media? Why be kind and loving to one another? He seems to have found the access point, the fulcrum within himself. And he also has that wonderful quality of being able to make it clear to other people too. Great teacher, a lovely episode. Morag Gamble. What a name. What a person. Thanks at Rusty Rockets and at Resurgence Mag. I consider Satish to be one of the most important teachers in my life alongside Helena Norberg Hodge, who we talk about in this episode you're going to listen to in a minute. Frit Joff Capra. Oh, who's Frit Joff Capra? We'll investigate Frit Joff Capra and others. He invited me to Schumacher College back in the early 90s. Thanks to you for bringing so much positive change all right so there you go now i'm going to promote myself at you just in case you've never heard this before go to russellbrand.com sign up to my mailing list because then you'll get these really lovely emails where sometimes i advertise these online events we only really advertise them through the mailing list and we're going to do um covid permitting some live events soon i'm going to be doing some shows in a sh- in london Oxford and Reading, all these places are in the south of England. If you're around, if you're in the south of England, come to one of these socially distanced, responsible, 
I'm calling them COVID extravaganzas. The name of the show is Brandemic. I've done it a couple of times. It's pretty funny. You'll enjoy it. So uh, if you want to get tickets to that show, come at russellbrand.com. Sign up to the mailing list at russellbrand.com to get all sorts of information. Remember to look at my YouTube channel and all for stuff, uh, like, you know, little videos that I do, and follow me on the social media platforms you use. But also put that thing on your phone that restricts you to a certain amount of time each day. You can put something on your phone that will tell you, you've done your half hour now. You're a little addict. You don't know what you're doing, do you? You've got obsessed with it. You know, don't just unconsciously use social media. Those days are gone. Anyway, let's get into uh, Kate Nelson, the plastic-free mermaid. I hope you enjoy it. Trying to achieve equality with the annihilation of category is not no, a successful route. Yes, that's, that's, that's exactly right. We're in this era where it turns out we were never the boss. It doesn't look like an ideology. What's beneath the surface of people we admire, of the ideas that define our time, the history we are told? And welcome to Russell Brand Under the Skin. Two things that occur to me, Kate, when you're talking is that one, it requires a kind of quite significant shift of consciousness, a significant shift in the way that we live life by by shift of consciousness i mean becoming aware of plastic and the consequences of plastic and that we are valuing convenience over durability which for me is a kind of a disconnection there's a sort of a spiritual disconnection from our environment that we see ourselves as atomized individuals and we're we're um detached from the consequences of our actions and the consequences of our lifestyle this is evident in other areas there's also i feel like a kind of almost futility in trying to address a problem of such scale, I feel. And although, of course, with matters like this, a transition can occur kind of instantaneously. When I think about what a truly radical political movement might look like, I suppose it would say it would ban the use of single-use plastic entirely and it would it's uh, i suppose that it would be that you wouldn't be able to make plastic bottles for beverages anymore that would be banned overnight and then of course the sort of lobbies and interests behind that would say well that's you know it's going to impinge on our profits we'll have to pass those costs on to the consumer the people that are going to be most punished the people that earn less so now you're into like socio-economic issues and the way that society is structured and who is penalized for this kind of convenience and who really which is already happening oh really absolutely i mean i think about what our, our access to farmers markets and as i'm assuming and um farmers markets <laughs> yeah yeah i got access to them i went to one in malambimbi a really good one actually <laughs> yeah a beautiful market in malambimbi i'm glad you went um, and, but so many people live in food deserts and they only have the, like already they're, they're having to absorb, um, you know, the, the, I mean, we have access to so much fresh food, organic food. We have so many options. We can buy bulk, we can buy, um, things that are plastic free, but many people don't have these options at all. They're, they're in a food desert. They can only get plastic wrapped food. They can only get canned food. They can only get plastic um, wrapped vegetables that aren't even in season or grown in this area. They can rarely even get fresh food. So this is already a problem. Many places in, in Southeast Asia or Africa, they used to have these bulk corner stores in their villages where they would go and get, you know, fill up on soy sauce and bring it home. 
Now it's all sachets, these little tiny plastic sachets that are mixed material, plastic, metal, more plastic that would never be separated and recycled. Like you said, we know that recycling is a myth. Less than 9% of every, any plastic that's ever existed has even been recycled. And I think that's high. I highly doubt that's been recycled. And I think even recycling is a misnomer. We need, you know, it's it, every plastic can't be recycled. It gets downcycled, sure, but it's not being recycled into something of equal value. Um, so this is absolutely a social justice issue where we're not, we're not just um, fighting for the environment here. We're not just fighting for the whales and the dolphins, um, the mermaids, but we are trying to empower um, our local communities and support these, these places, especially in Southeast Asia, where we've been shipping our trash. The West has just been, you know, putting our trash to China and then China said, no more, we don't want your trash anymore. And then we had nowhere to go and the global waste market was in crisis. And uh, so then we were trying to find anywhere to dump it. And we found in the Indonesia and Thailand and Malaysia. And then they were like, no, we don't want it either because they could barely maintain their own waste on these, these uh, island nations. Um, and then they get blamed. They, you know, uh, the plastic lobbyists in the US, for example, when they're trying to counter plastic ban legislation, they say, no, no, this isn't, this isn't us. This is Asia's problem. But when Asia, it's, it's all of our trash that's leaking from these island nations. Um, so is this uh, a class issue already? Absolutely. Yeah, and when we are talking about it, even when, when we talk about it, Kate, when we talk about farmers markets and glass jars, all those things have such sort of bourgeois connotations, you know. Oh, you're going to the farmer's market with your glass jar. It's all right for you. Like, um, you know, there's so much sort of cultural and social tension now. There's such disparity. And the very kind of people, I would say, like sort of blue-collar and working-class backgrounds, which as a caveat I'll mention because it seems to be necessary, is the background that I am from, that these are the people that it's very hard to reach with that kind of messaging precisely because they've got sort of economic uh, and social challenges that are different, difficult to meet. And in fact, the way that many of these arguments are presented are ki is kind of alienating. And it seems that there's this sort of gridlock of the the interests of the powerful and the interests of the most vulnerable with this the issue of plastic being a good example uh, the powerful companies that profit from single-use plastic and from the, these type of practices and the necessity for cheap goods for people at the bottom of the social uh, ladder you know in any particular nation so you can see that even an issue as seemingly as i know it's not niche in terms of its consequences but it, at least it is an issue it's not like we're not talking about gender equality racial equality or you know we're talking about plastic even this has sort of massive connotations about the way that society is organized absolutely and and so many things like and is it up to the bourgeois because they have the resources is it going to be quick enough for them to level the play playing field so that the more vulnerable finally have access to these things like farmers markets um and bulk food is it is it the are the bourgeois are these farmers markets of mullumbimby going to make it you know create more demand and thus lower the price so that it's more accessible in time who knows hopefully i mean that's i'm banking on it and also, yeah, you're right, the, the globalization, the trade, you know, it, we, the, the more vulnerable communities haven't been vulnerable for that long. It's only recently since we've opened up trade, trade laws and, um, 
and we ship and export and import all of this food all over the world instead of just supporting our local farmers and growers. That used to be just normal. Um, and now it's like this bourgeois thing to go to a farmer's market with your glass jar and your straw basket. That is absurd, but that is the the upper class thing to do when that was just like the normal way of life. And it's right. because we, we send our apples all around the world and the, those apples exported and imported apples or are, are cheaper. That's the cheaper food than just the local organic food. Um, and that's, that's what really needs to change. Like how can we make the local food more accessible and cheaper um, and support the local farmers and local growers? I guess these practices have got to be banned, huh? What's that? You've got to ban these practices. You've got to ban sort of a mono agriculture. You've got to ban the manufacture of plastic. And you're not going to be able to do that. How do you ban that stuff when the corporations are so massive and so well resourced? Listen, you're a plastic free mermaid. Don't ask me. Look at me. I'm a guy in a neckerchief. Come on, Russell. Get that neckerchief and start waving it about. They'll look at you. I think it's this idea. You, you must know Helena Norberg-Hodge over there, right? Because she's... <laughs> Love you. Helena. I'm in a beautiful women's gathering group with her right now discussing local food movement. Bourgeois! Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> women's circles. We've been doing this for centuries. No, it's beautiful. I'm, in fact, my wife participated in sort of... I know, this, I know it's a very conscious and awakened community around uh, sort of, I don't know, women's politics and f- female identity and stuff like that over there. My wife and our friend Tilly went, went to stuff like that over there. And I'm friends with Helena Norberg-Hodge, and I think she's a great teacher on the subject of uh, local economies. And in fact, these are... Gosh, in a way, say so these ideas have been around forever. These are the ideas that are closest to our anthropological origin. It's only at the point where you start to try to centralise resources in order to generate more product, uh, more profit and to create hierarchies that you break away from, uh, uh, grow food for the community that's there, eliminate the travel, accept that you can't have fucking strawberries in the middle of December or vice versa when you're in your country. You know, eat seasonal food. All It's all sort of these things are good for you anyway. Eliminate things that enhance the growth of the crops and recognise that with a, an awakened global community in the in, in the event of food shortages, we will be able to sh- uh, share and redistribute food when required. But what, you're say, what you said a minute ago, Kate, plastic-free mermaid Nelson... Is like that, um, like to do to achieve that, you've got to challenge corporations. I feel like what kind of issues are a significant number of people going to rally around? If you look at what's going on in America at the moment, most people are, you know, disenchanted with Donald Trump. Most people aren't that excited about Joe Biden. Like, it seems like there's a, and most people are starting to believe in pretty wacky things at the moment, you know, the QAnon stuff and all of that. I mean, people are getting, like, I feel there's this appetite for change, appetite, for a genuine alternative. I wonder if it's possible to build a global constituency around these issues, around local economies, local government, around like a system of principles that we can all adhere to where possible, that include ecological respect, individual respect, the right to form individual communities, but certain things that cannot be transgressed. It seems paramount among this is the dismantling of these powerful economic interests that have um, destroyed the planet as part of their business model. Yeah, beautifully said. And do you think in in trying to, because this is something that we're discussing in our little, in our beautiful, amazing women's group. Well done, yeah. Uh, with Helena, legend. Um, 
in trying to inspire communities and people to reconnect to their local instead of being so global, um, uh, people are repelled by that. They're triggered. They don't want to minimize their convenience. They want to have strawberries year round. Um, I'm interested in behavior change, so I'm asking this genuinely. How do you, how would you uh, persuade someone to um, not, to only eat strawberries in season? Um, you know, these foods that are shipped all around, they, they have to be packaged in plastic to maintain um, their ripeness or their quality. How do, you, how do you say to someone, no, 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 give up all of this convenience, give up all of this comfort and just focus on your local community? Because I believe in that strongly. I think that's the most important thing. It's the, the place where you live, where you're, where you're contributing, where, you know, the Mullumbimby Farmer's Market, where you run into people, it's beautiful. But I'm curious what your opinion is. How do you convince someone? What is nationalism really, rather than a, other than a rerouted impulse to connect with your land and your tribe a fictional narrative to aggregate people into great conglomerations of 50 60 20 million people belonging, belonging. if we can in a sense reattribute this sense of belonging to the, an appropriately sized community an appropriate piece of land i think that's an interesting way to go to help people to recognize that we're living in a kind of darkness and that we have lost our autonomy and freedom this thing you said about changing behavior it's, in, it's interesting you said that because i've become as i'm sure many people have recently fascinated with the impact of tech giants and social media platforms precisely on our behavior it's about, about their expertise in behavioralism is the dominant ideology that motivates uh, their um, or at least affords them the the means to make profit um, as like that Jaron Lanier says what's being sold by Facebook and Google is the ability to manipulate your attention and behavior with it, technology of course is not inherently bad it's of course it isn't nothing is inherently plastic bad. is not inherently bad right it's just it's the same in a sense there's the same template argument isn't it Kate so I suppose in a way Unless we unless we can impact the profit incentives of the these powerful conglomerates, and that can only happen, like you know, my friend Adam Curtis always says, politicians actually do have power. You can, you know, we always thought, I oh, know, politicians just exist at the, um, you know, to serve powerful economic interests, but. When coronavirus comes, it turns out you can get people to stay in their houses. You can ground air travel. You know, so I suppose what needs to happen is a kind of evolution of the post two thousand and eight political parties, such as Syriza, Podemos. That I'm talking about these sort of Mediterranean European parties that came about as a response to the crash itself as a result of globalization and the inability to persecute the financial interests that uh, ran riot up until that point in Wall Street and the city of London, etc. If we can create a kind of a global confederacy that have that align on certain objectives. It seems to me the important thing, and I spoke to Satish Kumar about this the other week, is to once to align people that are interested in social justice, and I mean at the kind of um, university campus level, to align them with the interests of working people who are currently being lost to 
sort of retro nationalism if we can align their interests if we can make people see that if that whatever you what you all of us really want is power and authority in our own lives the ability to run our own communities and, you know, if we want to what what mate sovereignty mm. is that what you said yes that's what yeah. we're after aren't we Go to luminarypodcasts.com and subscribe to not only my original content that there that's there, but also Trevor Nelson's, Lena Dunham, Karama. <laughs> Tre- Trevor Nelson, the DJ from the 90s for MTV. He's on there and he's, he's doing some tremendous work. Tremendous work. He's got a lot to say as Trev. All right, I mean, Trevor Noah. And Kate Nelson, who you've just listened to, because this is the outro now. Kate Nelson, you've just listened to, and and uh, Trevor Noah. I mean, if you want to fuse those two people together to get a plastic-free daily show host, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? What's wrong with a bit of hybridization and cross-pollinization in this topsy-turvy, crazy old world of ours? Luminarypodcast.com. Get your seven free trial now to get started. Go to luminarypodcast.com. It's subject to local currency. For example, maybe you use conkers where you live. And terms apply. What, you think there's no terms? There's terms. It's not a free-for-all, you know. This is a free market capitalism. Thank you.